Amen. We just thank you, Jesus. I just want to pray that right here as we transition. Lord God, this is your word. We are your people. God, do a work in us. We don't want to be the same any longer. We don't want to be like the world. We love them and we stand in the gap for them. We pray for them. We bless them. But God, we are not like them. You have called us out and you have set us apart. We are a peculiar people. We are not like this world. We are in it, but we are not of it. Lord, remind us of the finish line. Remind us of glory. We want to set our eyes on you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's get into his word. I want to read uh, the scripture that the Lord put on my heart for last week, and I'm going to springboard from there. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles. Everybody say, so that. He comforts us in our troubles so that. He comforts us so we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So God does something supernatural inside of us, which is incredible and should not be uh, taken for granted. We're not making light of it, but because God is amazing and he's doing a trillion times a trillion things all at once. While he's working in us, he's building a testimony that is for someone else. And it says, for the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. And it's true, no matter what we go through, he is there with us. Amen. We believe that he never leaves us, never forsakes us. And there's no temptation that is beyond us. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, right? There is nothing that there, is no, uh, that there isn't also an escape and that the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, is there with us and, and Christ is pleading for us. So when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. So it says here that as Paul was testifying, as he was going through things and dealing with situations, that actually what was happening is that God was doing something inside of him for the church's benefit. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. So we see this circular thing that is happening in God. God does something in your life. Who has a testimony or testimonies that you could testify about? Right? I have many, 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 many testimonies. And we're still making new testimonies right now, right? The world says we're making memories. The, that church is making testimonies. Your memories, they disappear, but your testimonies don't. And the testimony, yes, it's for me because I'm stronger. 
right? And I have a more intimate relationship with God through them. And yes, the devil has a harder time to get to me in those areas because of the testimony. But God is doing that in you. He didn't do the thing to you to get you there, but he did the testimony, didn't he? Right? He doesn't make us do wrong, but God makes it right. Amen. And when he does that, it's so, my word says it. I mean, I think we know it. I don't even think we need to read this scripture to know that we have something inside of us that someone else needs. And that's the way of the kingdom. Even Jesus himself came and raised up 11 disciples. The 12th had an opportunity as well. He decided not to follow any longer. And God had already planned to use it for Christ's glory. But 11 disciples, they went and shook up the world. And the Lord is doing something in each of us that's different than the other one. Those sitting around you, we all have a different story, but we have the same testimony, which is that Christ has rescued us. He has set us free. And someone else needs us to tell them about it or help them because we've been there. The world is desperately looking. Even the church is desperately looking for somebody to help them. The world is hurting. The church is hurting. And there is an answer. And yes, I'm not taking that away from Christ. I'm saying that's what his word says. It is in Christ. Amen. But it is in us. And this is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us. Everybody say, that's us. All this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And, everybody say and. Say and, there's more. Right? Like an infomercial. And wait, there's more. He didn't just bring you back to himself, but God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Who's been given the task? Us. Is it Christ? Everybody say yes. And everybody say, ready? Is it us? Yes. Is it Christ? Is it us? It's both at once because it's Christ in us, working through us. For God was in Christ. Wait, see, there's the pattern. See, even the Father was in the Son, and the Son was glorifying the Father. Christ is in you, and you are bringing glory to Christ. Sometimes we're saying, Jesus, when are you going to do this for this person? And Jesus is saying, when are you going to do that for that person? For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20. So we, everybody say, that's us, are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. 
We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Wow. I mean, I know that this is the foundation to Christianity, but I swear, even preaching it, saying it to myself, it sounds foreign. I just don't hear it enough. Now I get it. Even as a preacher, now seven years in, the Bible's a big fat book, right? There's a lot of nuggets in there, and there's a lot that we go through and things we need help with and so on. But you realize that this whole thing that we are and that we do, the only reason we still exist on the earth is not to make ourselves better. God doesn't need you to go through 70 or 80 years of self-help training. What he needs you to do is shine for him. And that happens coincidentally by him working on self. (laughs) Wow. The more he works on you, the more you are changed. And that's not for you. Wow, wait a second. What do you mean? It's so that when the world looks at you, they see more of him. Now, who benefits? We both do. Of course I do. Of course I benefit because now I'm getting into less trouble, right? I was in muck and mire. That's what the word says. And he rescued me, pulled me out, set my feet upon the rock. I'm starting to sing a song. (laughs) And now I know. (laughs) And while he's doing that, the world is watching. Of course they're watching. You know how we know they're watching? Because they never give you credit for all the good you do and all the nice things you say. But they certainly have something to say when you slip. When you say one word, oh, you were listening the whole time. You are paying attention. See, I thought you weren't paying attention. Now I realize you are. It's our job, not God's job. Is that taking any credit or glory away from God? Does anybody think I'm saying something heretical? Am I taking glory away from him? Of course not, because I can't do it in my own strength. I know me, and I think if each of us examined ourselves, we're going to say the same thing. I know me, and it ain't me. And as soon as you think it's you, the Lord will make sure you know it's not. Don't worry. The Lord has a way of showing us that it's only him and only through him. I don't wish that journey on anyone, but it's necessary. (laughs) The Lord's good, isn't he? I talked last week about how trees are designed by God to produce seeds to make more trees. It's within their genetic makeup. In fact, it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, Genesis 1.11 says, Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees 
that grow seed-bearing fruit, these seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. We know in verse 12 it says, and God said it was good. See, human beings, we have reason and logic. And what we do is we say, it's not a good time for me right now. I'm working on me right now. That, let, let's let the world say that, right? Who is appalled? Who is disgusted when the world says that? And yet we do it, though, too, maybe not in those words, but by not speaking because we're in a stressful situation ourselves. I feel like what the Lord gave us, and I know that we're not a big mega church, so it's tough because I know everyone. Maybe someone's listening to out there that I don't know your face. But I feel like the Lord wants to speak to us right now that, you have more inside you and more to give than you know. In fact, what I, the Lord showed me, and I didn't know this. This wasn't like a pre, something I've just always known. I, the Lord told me to look into it. I looked into it last week, and I found this phrase called stress crop. Everybody say stress crop. And that is what happens when a tree is stressed, when it's dehydrated, when it's starved of nutrition, the tree goes into survival mode, except the tree doesn't think about itself. You know what survival mode is for the tree? I need to spread my DNA. I was given this place here because of another seed, and I may not make it, but what I have in me is more important than me. The tree does not reason, but I may not make it. It doesn't even have that reason. It just knows within its genetic makeup that I must reproduce. There's something that has happened here. And you know, then on my way to church this morning, the Lord said to me, the power of an entire forest is in one seed. You realize that if you look out, just look at, at the vastness. If you cross the Newburgh Beacon Bridge, you can actually get to see both ranges. You can see Storm King's Range all the way down to West Point, and you can see Mount Beacon's Range, you know, and all the way through down into Putnam Valley. You can see it all at once, and you realize that it, those entire forests, that they only started with one singular seed. One. The Lord has something inside of us that is meant to come out of us. And we're all going through things. We're all dealing with, well, I'm just busy right now, or I'm dealing with this personal issue right now. And what happens is, is something has short-fused in our genetic code. But Christ comes and he straightens it out and he corrects it. See, the world, you can look at it. If you look at the world, you can see the break in the genetic code. It's very obvious. It's called self. They are self-focused. They are self-centered. They are self-motivated. Christ was selfless. Your DNA 
is Christ. I just prayed it today. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Colossians 3. Why are you thinking about this earth? Why are you focused on earthly things when you died? Past tense. And your new life is in Christ. That means I have a new DNA. That means that my DNA must be selfless. And we have been commissioned like a tree to give what God has given us and to not hold back during times we deem too hard. Because this is what the Lord showed me. If we hold back, and this is your time, your resources, maybe words on a phone call, maybe just love, if we hold back during trying times, the devil will watch you. And what he will do is he will devise strategies so that your life is forever too busy, inconvenient, too stressful, and you will never, ever give. But you are a tree of life for God. He has planted the word in your heart which is the good seed and good ground. A follower of Jesus is one who has allowed the seed to grow, and it becomes a tree and produces fruit, not for yourself, but for another. And it's for them to take and to be fulfilled as we are. And within your fruit are seeds of life for them to become a tree of life as well. And that's the process that God has designed. And nature, it just does, right? It replicates. Even out of a dead tree that falls and dies, that thing is decomposing back into the earth and giving life back. There is no such thing as death in God. Everything is turned and used for more life. That was his design. We can easily become like the world and become self-focused. It's very easy to do. There's no judgment in that. But the Lord wants us to come back today and just be reminded and look and see that we must be selfless. We must be focused on him. And if we're focused on him, then it must be on another. If you are focused on Christ, then you are focused on others. It's not, it's really not, this is not second, I'm not talking, you know, this is not college Christianity or advanced education. This is base. This is the basic, basic Christianity. See, the world says, let me get me fixed first, and then I can love you better. And that has crept into the church, and it's a lie from the pit of hell, because you will never be ready. You will never be better. You will never be good. Instead, it's your inadequacies, in fact, and your failures that make you rely on Christ and realize, wow, this person, I need to give them grace. Because I'm dealing with this in me, but I also have the answer. 
and I'm going to give you what he's given me. And what happens is, if we stay at the foot of the cross, and yes, repentance, there is no other way. You cannot testify without the repentance. But if we stay there, we are missing the fullness of the gospel. We're going to get to heaven, I believe. I mean, that's between you and the Lord, each and every person. But he's going to say to you, I love you, but what did you do with what I've given you? I titled last week, and I don't often mention titles. Usually it's at the end. Mariah says, what's the title? But I had a title for this week, and I want to tell it to you now midway through the sermon. Last week was comforted to be a comforter. And this week is given to give. Everybody say given to give. We have been given gifts, abilities. We've been given time. We've been given resources, even freedoms here in the United States to give. It's God's way. It's, God's, it's just how he does it. It's what he does. He even himself, look at even God himself gave his only son, his most precious gift. He couldn't give any more. If God could give more, he would have, and he couldn't. He gave everything. That's who God is. That's his nature, and you are in Christ, which means you are to have his nature. Again, I'm going to say it again. This is not advanced Christianity. This is basic, basic, basic Christianity. I wanted just to read for the next few minutes a story that I think we all know, um, but the Lord put it on my heart. I'm just going to read a portion of it because I see uh, us, I see Christians uh, in this story today, and we're looking at God, and we are saying, well, we're just trying to survive. Lord, I'm just trying to get through. <laughs> I just want to, I'm just trying to just get through this season, Lord, right now. Just, I just want to get through this, and then I'll be free to, to do whatever you want me to do. I just need to get through, all right? Come on. We all say that too often to the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 1, it says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. So human nature is what? When you are afflicted is self-preservation. Self-preservation. I mean, in some ways... I can't judge them. I'm not judging them, I guess, because what else can you do? And it says, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel and camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. And they left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts, and they arrived 
on droves of camels too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. This nation right now, in fact, is under attack. The Bible says here in verse 1, it's because they did evil in the Lord's sight. And, and, you know, we took God out of everything, right? We tore down statues of men and women that stood for the Lord. We've taken down the Ten Commandments. We took away prayer. We said killing babies is not just legal, but in fact is not just your right, but apparently is uh, greater than God himself. I don't even have the words for it. So there was an attack on our land And it seems overwhelming. Everybody say, it seems overwhelming. It seems like I'm just going to try to make it through this time and go to heaven. There's no turning back this nation. It just feels like it's too big. How, How could we possibly stop what has happened and what's going on right now? So we hide. And the Bible says they cried out to the Lord for help. Verse 11, then the angel of the Lord came and he sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah. I've told you before, a little trivia here is that that's Oprah, but when they wrote her name down on the certificate, they spelled it wrong. That's true. So they sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizar and Gideon. Son of Joash was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Gideon, just like his nation, just like the others hiding amongst the world, just like the other believers hidden within the United States of America was just trying to get through and cover and take care of himself. And I'm not judging him. And I'm not judging us. The Lord's not judging us. But because you don't know what else to do when it seems so oppressive, just make it through and just carry on and get up and go through the day. But the Lord's got a word for us. It's time to come out of hiding. It doesn't mean getting on the news. doesn't mean standing on the corner with a sign. That doesn't do anything. Anybody ever gotten saved from a sign on the corner? All it does is make people point their finger and they look the other way, right? I'm not saying that if the Lord calls you that you don't go out there and you love those people and maybe grab one, maybe the Lord's going to lead you to one by one and speak to them with some love and grace and mercy. But a sign telling them they're all going to hell doesn't work. So I'm not saying we're coming out of hiding like you're going to go out and you're going to fight. But it's time that the Lord wants us to stand for him and believe that even though, even though maybe your personal situation, it seems too overwhelming and it seems like it's because of of sin and it's outside of your control. 
The Lord's calling us out of those hidden places. He's calling us out to stand for him, to stand for righteousness. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. See, God sees you for who you really are. We see ourselves from a skewed, everybody say skewed, earthly perspective. It could be said God sees our potentials after making the right choices to do what he instructs us. Or you could say God sees us in obedience. We are all heroes to God when we obey him because God is with us. You realize what the Lord was saying to him is, I see you in this church, and I see who you really are, because if you will let me work in you, there's more inside of you, and there's more that you have to say and to love and to be in your world than you realize. It says in Judges chapter 6, verse 13, Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles? When I read this verse, and, and this is how the NLT translates it, where are all the miracles, who can hear it? Who has heard that? Who has had a conversation with a believer and non-believer, and they say, where are all the miracles? The Lord's saying today, the miracle is waiting for you. Where are all the miracles? They're waiting for us to go. Because he said, the Lord's abandoned us, verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. There are people in your workplaces. There are people in your family that are just waiting for you. And we think, what can I do? Who am I? Or even maybe, maybe this, you ready? They've heard me before. They know I'm a believer. They already know all that. I've told them before. I feel like the Lord wants to say what he spoke a couple weeks ago to Elisha's servant. Take another look. Look again. Sometimes the harvest isn't right. Sometimes you, you, were, you were thinking, that I'm going to harvest now, and you went in, and the crop wasn't ready. And so you got discouraged, and you've let that loved one just kind of be out there for some time. And maybe now the head of grain is perfect to be plucked, or the fruit is ready to be picked. The Lord, maybe now's the moment, and we need to be led by him. But I have found that if I just say, well, Lord, lead me, that I never share to anyone ever. 
it does take us to stand up and to open our mouth, and we might botch it up, right? We might make a mess of it, and then we go back to the Lord, and the Lord says, it's okay. They actually heard more than you think, and they are watching your life more than you know, and I am doing something inside of them. The Bible says that he said, but Lord, everybody, we all say this, but Lord, right? And you go through the word, you go through the word, they all say the same thing to God, right? Moses said it to God as well, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I? He said, how can I rescue Israel? Maybe today we're going to say on this Memorial Day, Sunday, where we remember all those that have given their lives so selflessly. That's what it's about. They lay down their lives and shed their blood for us so that we can have the freedom. And we're saying, but how can one person save the nation, the United States? How can I possibly help the United States of America? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. Lord, who are we? And what do we possibly have to offer? How can we? Lord, we're not in government. I'm not down there in the White House. I don't have any influence. I can't change any laws. Who am I and what can I do? And the Lord's saying to us today, the Lord said to him, as the Lord's saying to you, I will be with you. And you will destroy the strongholds as if you were fighting against one man. It says in Philippians 2, verse 12, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Everybody say, He's working in us. And it's not about me. He's working in us, giving us, I love how the NLT translates this, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He changes us, doesn't he? We need to ask him to change our perspective, to give us, ask him to give us a love again for our loved ones. Ask the Lord to give us love. See, the world and this nation we, don't, we cannot judge them. We cannot judge this country right now that is warring and fighting over issues. There are some major issues right, right now, right? We cannot judge them. What we must do is love them. Now, that doesn't mean we don't speak the truth. See, some people say, well, if you love, then you don't speak. And that's just not true. We need to speak the truth, right? We know the phrase, in love. If we speak the truth in judgment, it does nothing but the truth in love. See, love covers a multitude of sins. Love cuts through the hardness. It breaks through barriers. And that's really done in your heart and in prayer beforehand. By the time that you go to one of your loved ones or you go to share something with someone, you, you're so prayed up, you spend so much time with the Lord beforehand, before you even open your mouth with the person, that nothing can pour out but Him. All judgment's gone. Maybe you went to prayer and judgment. Oh, Lord, help them. They're such an idiot. By the time you go and you speak to them, you say, I just wanted to tell you that I'm an idiot. I realized I'm an idiot, 
And I just wanted to, to just spend some time with you and love you and pray for you. You have more to offer inside you than you think. Just like the tree who has an abundance of seeds within it, but only when it's stressed and pushed does it actually come flourishing out. And that the Lord actually doesn't do it, but He allows the stressful and hard times in our lives so that we call to Him. And when we do that, right, we're more aware of Him when we're stressed. When Just as the tree is more aware of the of the sensitivity of life. Life and death is not so permanent as I thought it was. And so when we are stressed and we realize the realities of, wow, this earth is not so great, and I just want to go to heaven, what that does is actually get us back focused on Christ, and then he rearranges our mind and says, okay, that's close, but you're here on the earth for a season. You'll be in heaven forever. And you're, that's close. I get it. You, don't, you realize this earth is not it. We're getting there. Now what I need you to do is tell the whole world the same thing that you feel. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, What do you have that God hasn't given you? Everything we have has been given by Him to us. It says, if everything you have is from God, why boast as if it were not a gift? Everything we have is from Him. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14 says, But who am I, and who are my people, that we could give anything to you? What happened is they brought an abundance of, of, of goods and they brought the gold and they brought silver and they were, they were going to build the temple. So they all collected everything. And, and then David prays this prayer and he says, Lord, I see this abundance. In fact, we have more than we need to build the temple. But I realize something and I'm crying. Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you gave us. We give what God has already given us. We are here only for a moment. Visitors and strangers in the land of our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. O oh Lord our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you, it all belongs to you. He said, how can I, you know what God said to him? He said, I am. He said, who am I? And God said, I am with you. Who am I? I am with you. I will be with you. We must realize that it's not us anyway, that it's all God, that everything we are, Everything that we could try and achieve to be, you know, even you pursuing evil things and doing horrible things, isn't God's grace amazing when I say what I'm about to say? You ready? Try to say that God doesn't have grace. When you do evil, it was done with the Lord's strength. Now, I'm not saying the Lord anointed it. Now, let me be careful, right? Anybody about to throw the Bible at my face? <laughs> I'm not speaking heresy here. Listen, you borrowed his oxygen to curse him. You stood, your spirit stood in his bones and in his body to do evil. When an evil is done, 
You were on his earth. And the Bible, my Bible says he breathed into us and gave us life. That means that if I am using life, even for evil, it is through God. That's not bringing him glory. But you realize that everything we have and everything we do is for him. And so the Lord, we come into submission. We turn from evil. We turn to righteousness. And now I use what he's given me. You realize that he has given it to me to use for him. The Bible says, Judges 6, verse 33, soon afterward, the, the armies of Midian and Amalek, and the, they all come, and they're joined now with forces, and, and Gideon's going to do it. He gets together with the people. They're going to they're gonna go, and they're going to do what the Lord's asked them to do. And it says in verse 34 that the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. The Spirit of the Lord clothes you with power. You have been given gifts and abilities, and you have been given a testimony. You were not given the situation by God, but you were given the testimony by God. The devil maybe puts you into a situation. Your own sin puts you into a situation. You know, something is done wrong to you. Maybe you're a child, and it's just not right what was done to you. But when you came to Christ, a testimony came out of it. God gave you a testimony. And this world needs it. Amen. This nation needs it. They need us to love them and to continue to pray for them. In fact, it may not seem like ministry and it may not seem like the gospel uh, to be quiet in your room. But standing for this nation, standing in the gap and praying for them and pleading for them is just as equally ministry as it is speaking to them. Amen. And then the Bible says, after they were filled with the Spirit of the Lord and they made things right with themselves and dealt with God and got things aligned and Flesh is burned up, the Spirit of the Lord's inside them. The Bible says, Acts 2, right? They came down out of the upper room and then into the streets. And then there was a, a receptive ear. They wanted to know. They wanted to hear it. I just pray, Lord God, let's just turn this into a prayer as we close now. Lord, I pray, I pray that our ears would be sharp to listen, Lord. There is a person that says, what must I do to be saved? It may not be in those exact words, Lord, but I pray in our spirit that we would hear, Lord, as we're out and about and as we're going, Lord, to and from in our busy, busy, busy lives. I pray, God, that we'd be quick to listen. Lord, and we would be slow to speak. We would search. Thank you, Lord, our hearts Holy Spirit, you speaking through us that we would have the right word, that we would not respond with judgment and criticism, but help us, Lord, to give love and grace and mercy that we've been given. And I thank you, Lord, that we're going to testify, Lord. We're going to come back together even years from now and remember that there was a moment 
where God inspired us and sparked us again to truly be the outworking of his body just everywhere we are. And that, Lord, I thank you there would be miracles and testimonies. There was people that we believed for that suddenly, I don't know what changed, but just one day suddenly now, Lord, they heard it differently. And, Lord, their lives were free. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord.